my eye better. I can, I can just, no, I can see. Actually, I can read this really good with my left eye, better than my right eye. Before, I couldn't hardly see anything out of my left eye. And so that's because you people have been praying for me. I appreciate that very much. And so if you just continue to pray for your pastor, who knows, I might make it to 80. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some suffering and travail, but, you know, we, for some reason, these old bodies still want to hang around, don't they? And the older we get, we still want to keep living. I imagine when I reach the age of 90, if I get to live that long, if the Lord tarries that long, I'll probably want to live another 10 years. Yeah, just when you get so sick, you're, you know, you're sick of being sick, then you're ready to go home. But right now, you know, I feel like a 20-year-old. In my mind's eye, I feel like a teenager. But when I look in the mirror, I think, well, who in the world is that? <laughs> Verse number one. We're going to get there here sometime soon. Hosea, verse number one, chapter four. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of the God, of, of God, excuse me, in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out windows. No, <laughs> they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field, with the fowls of the heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Let no man strive nor reprove another, for the people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shall thou fall in the day, and in the prophet shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless our time together. Amen. Well, that's all we have time for tonight, those eight verses. First of all, <clears throat> as you can see in the outline that I have provided for you, uh, we've divided this chapter into three different portions. Uh, first, Israel has been removed uh, simply because... <clears throat> Uh, there is no knowledge in the land. Secondly, God, because there's no knowledge in the land, God has made it very clear. As a result of their sins, God has pronounced his judgment upon them. And so there are a number of indictments that he lists there. And then as we come together 
sometime after the revival meeting, we will talk about Israel's promiscuity and uh, God's final judgment. So anyway, let's move right along here. In uh, verse number one there, again we read, there's no truth, there's no mercy, there's no knowledge of God in the land. In other words, <clears throat> it wasn't because there was a short supply of God's truth and God's mercy and God's knowledge. It had nothing to do with that. It was just simply the rejection of it. You know, like today, you know, there's, there's not a famine of the Bible. There's just a famine of hearing the Bible. And they just simply don't want to hear it. So God makes it very clear that, that these people had moved away from God to their own opinions, to their own understanding. And so they went beyond what the Word of God has to say to uh, their self-interest and what they believe and what they think. God's not really interested in what you think or what you believe. He wants you to believe what He says, and He wants you to think as His Word instructs us to think. And the Bible says <clears throat> that we need to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. And so our thoughts need to be His thoughts, and the only way that can happen is for us to get into the Word of God and allow the Word of God to direct our thoughts. No, and, and so God makes it very clear that this was in the land. This was not just a few people. This was the entire nation. I like what Spurgeon has to say about what is said there in the land. The highest science, the, whole, the loftiest speculations, the mightiest philosophies, uh, which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the same. The nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls his Father. So when leaving the knowledge of God will soon result in God's truth, God's mercy, and God's knowledge no longer being practiced. And therefore, <clears throat> sin is running rapid, and there is no longer a restraint on the iniquities that we see in the land. So what follows after that is God's judgment. And we see the same thing going on in America. We've taken prayer out of school. We've taken the Bible out of school. Uh, <clears throat> we're doing everything that we can to uh, brainwash our children in believing uh, that uh, there is no divine creator. There's no master planner. Uh, there's no intelligent designer that everything just simply came into existence through nothing more than chaos. And uh, from that chaos, we have a complex universe that has resulted in a complex society and that are teaching everyone that all of this happened by just simply nothing more than, a, than chaos without the existence of an intelligent designer. No master plan. Uh, no one out there to put things in order. It just simply one day happened. There was an explosion somewhere out there in this vast space of nothing. As cosmic dust in a space that goes on for billions and trillions of light years. Uh, where it was just empty and it was void. Somehow it all accumulated dust. And from the heat of that dust as it began to ball up into a big old huge 
giant, uh, what, you, what you might just call a cloud dust, it, and then it got heated, it exploded, and all of a sudden uh, there's a sun, and and there's planets, and, and there's an earth, and, and it's all just kind of swarming around out there, uh, and uh, without... Uh, without any longer any chaos. It just somehow just happened to fall together in a very organized way. And over a few trillion years, uh, as water began to develop and the atmosphere began to develop, uh, there was a single cell there somewhere in the water that one day washed up the shore and it sat there for a few hundred thousand years. And it began to wiggle. And as it began to wiggle, it became somewhat amphibious and begin to move about. And from that came the origin of mankind and all of life form, as we know it as far as animal life is concerned. And, you know, and, and, and our children are expected to believe that. That's what they're told to believe, that, you know, because God doesn't exist. This is how it happened. The wisdom of man is the foolishness of God, and that is total foolishness. I remember as a child sitting in a classroom in the fifth grade listening to an atheist that every... Once in a while, he would let us know that he was an atheist. His name was Mr. Plotkins. I can't remember a lot of teachers, but I remember Mr. Plotkins because Mr. Plotkins hated God, and for somehow that stuck in my mind. And he tried his best to convince me of that. And on one side of the classroom, he had, uh, he had the, the monkey, the ape, and then he had the pit-down man all the way to the university uh, uh, <clears throat> professor. And I would look at that in the classroom. They were all life-size images there. And I would think, well, where, if this all came through a process of evolution, I should be able to see the links to these. Where are they out there today? And so, but when I looked over to my neighbor, I said, well, that's got to be one. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, you know, as a fifth grade boy, none of that made any sense to me. I just said, no, I, I don't see that. I don't understand how that is. Where are the links to that? You know, where is the man running around that's half monkey and half man? You know, I mean, but that's what we're being taught. And so the Bible makes it very clear that they have rejected the knowledge of the Word of God. Now, there's no knowledge in the creation because they have rejected it. They refuse to look to it. They refuse to read it. They criticize the Bible, they condemn the Bible, but they've never read the Bible. They've never studied the Bible. And then we see in verses 2 through 8, Israel's sin and God's indictment. We find that because of this tragic fruit of forsaking the knowledge of God, God now leads them to a place of calamity. Calamity comes when we turn away from God. Calamity spreads throughout the whole land, as we see in America today. America one time was a country that believed in God. America at one time was a country that believed in the blue law. I mean, most of our states on Sunday, everything shut down. There was a time where the majority of the people throughout America went to church on Sunday. There was a time in America where the pulpits were aflame with the word of God. There was a time in America where the only Bible that was being preached from the pulpits were the King James Bible. You know, Westcott and Hort, they didn't come along with the, with the uh, revised version until the late 1800s. 
But from the time that America became a nation for more than 200 years, it was the King James Bible that brought the Great Awakening and brought great revival movements that was being preached in all of the pulpits across America. And so <clears throat> as uh, the Word of God uh, was corrupted by all these different translations or these translations setting out to corrupt the Word of God and people moving away from the Word of God, and as we begin to pass laws uh, that started keeping people away from the Word of God, well, calamity began to set in. And today we see corruption in America unlike any time in the history of our nation. And America is losing its greatness. And eventually America will fall. There have been many nations that have risen to be great empires that have fallen. And America also, any nation that turns from God, that forgets God, will be turned into hell. And so we find they... In verses 2 through 3, again, he says, By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out. Blood touches blood. Therefore shall the land mourn. Everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish. The beast, the field, the fowls of the air, the fowls of heaven, yea, the fish of the sea, shall all be taken away. Not only this, this is throughout the land of America, it's throughout the world today. You know, we, we read according to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 22 that the whole world, all creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. We're, the, we're, the world and the creation and everything is looking for a redeemer to come and th set things straight. Uh, there's going to be a day and a time when there'll be no more thistles and there'll be no more weeds. There'll be no more thorns on the bushes. Uh, the animals will no longer be carnivorous. It'll be a time where the, the little rabbits will be able to, to run loose and not fear a coyote grabbing a hold of them and chewing them all apart and, and feasting on them for dinner. Uh, but every, every animal will eat uh, the green herbs and God will br bring forth all the lush fruits of the land that will feed not only mankind but all the animal life that's in the world. And uh, there'll be no more weeds and thistles. And man will live to be as long as he wants to live, as long as he obeys God. A thousand years will man live. The Bible says, according to Isaiah chapter 11, he'll live as long as the trees live. And so <clears throat> the world right now is groaning for that to happen. But right now we're living in that, that tragic time where we find uh, corruption has taken place and and it is infiltrated itself within the halls of leadership and from the White House all the way down to your house and the church house. The Bible again says in verse number four and five, yet no man strive nor reprove another for the people are as that strive with the priest. Therefore shall thou fall in the day and the prophets shall fall with thee in the night and I will destroy thy mother. In other words, the priest no longer is respected because the people have cast off the knowledge of God's word. Therefore, <clears throat> they have cast off the preachers and the teachers and those that exhort and edify and do their best to proclaim the word of God to the point to where pastors are no longer respected. And so as a restraint that they put upon the preachers, 
uh, we find that the, the lack of knowledge of God's word is out, is, is no longer there. And so they contend one with another. I, there was a time I can remember as a young preacher when you walk into a business or a bank, they, they respected you as a pastor, but my goodness, things have really changed a lot. And it just continues to get worse. The priests have been dragged down by the people. God paints a picture here, a picture that is bleak, concerning the prophet as the people have drugged them down to the point to where uh, they have accepted what the people want them to be. And so we see that. The Bible makes that very clear. In the last days, Paul warned Timothy that that day would come where they're going to try to drag you down, Timothy. We're going, in the last days, they're going to try to drag down a preacher, but preach the word, be instant in season, uh, and out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering, for the time will come. And where they'll not want to hear good preaching, but they will heap to themselves preachers who have been drugged down. Preachers that they have dragged down to their standard. And preachers are careful because of their salary, because of their livelihood, because they want their congregation to stay strong. Uh, they give the people what the people want. The people have itching ears to hear what they want to hear, so the preachers have been drugged down to that standard. But God, does God blame the people? No, God blames the priest. God blames the people or the, the priest, because the priest has allowed himself to stumble in the daylight along with the people. There's light in the world, there's the light of the Word of God, but there's a famine in hearing the Word of God. How tragic it is when Christians are stumbling in the daylight. It's bad enough that we stumble at night, but to stumble in the daylight, stumble over God's Word when God is the light of His Word. So, as a result of that, we see God uh, rejecting the people. In verse number 6, he says, My people are destroyed. Why? For a lack of knowledge. Why? Because they have rejected knowledge. So, he declares, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God. Of thy God, I will also forget thy children. What a sad commentary on the people of Israel, but we see the same thing happening today. We have preachers standing in the pulpit. They call themselves pastors. They call themselves preachers. They call themselves men of God, but God does not call them men of God. God does not acknowledge who they are because of what they have done with this work. And so here we see the responsibility that comes upon these preachers for their failure to preach the word of God. The Bible again says, Thou shalt be no priest. The children of the priest have turned out to be just like the rest of the people. Uh, the pastors and the and the men that are supposed to be the holy men, the men of the cloth, the men that are the stand for righteousness, the men who stand in the pulpit and proclaim the word of God, uh, they have no influence on their own children. Their children are just like the rest of the people out there. 
that are dragging down Christianity and dragging down the name of Christ. Uh, and so <clears throat> we see uh, depravity setting in and godliness setting in. Our children that uh, are no longer turning out to be uh, the right kind of testimony for the Lord. Many, many Christian parents are finding their children turning away from the Lord as a result of the ungodliness in the liberal churches that they've allowed themselves to be under. And we're finding more and more of this today. There was a time in America, think about it, there was a time in America where what we believe today was normal. You know, you find it in most of our churches in America, all across the country, they had standards. Today, you would consider them to be radical right-wing fundamentalists because of what they stood for and what they believed in. And so we become so liberal today. Preachers uh, walking up behind the pulpit with, with nothing more than a polo shirt on and a pair of slacks with no socks. <laughs> and, or their shirt buttoned down showing off their hairy chest, you know, with their jewelry wrapped around their neck. With an earring in their, in their ear and a ring in their nose and tattoos all over their arms and bodies. And they expect to be an influence to God's people. And we got, you know, a band behind them and, yeah, the lights are turned down and it looks like a nightclub. And our youth department and, you know, they, they bring in the rock bands and, and that, that, that put the, the lyrics of Jesus or the Jesus in the lyrics, but the music sounds just like the hard rock out that's out there and the acid rock that's out there that these young people listen to with all of its profanity and ungodliness that blaspheme the name of God. And so they take the blaspheme of the name of God out and just leave God in there, and they think that's okay. That's what we're seeing in America today. That's what was going on in Israel. They had turned from the Lord. They had turned to these pagan gods, and they still had religiosity, but my, were they far from God. And so the neglect of the priest demonstrates the importance that pastors need to stand firm in the pulpit. The Bible makes it very clear that we have a responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We don't have preaching in the pulpit today. People don't want preaching in the pulpit today. The Bible says preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Mark said that we're to go through the Lord Jesus Christ into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible says that John the Baptist went everywhere preaching repentance. Jesus preached repentance. The word preached is found throughout the Bible. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached unto the people repentance. The word preached comes from the Greek word antangelo, which means to cry out. But we don't hear people, our preachers today, crying out. There's no excitement. There's no urgency. Uh, there's no authoritative voice. They just simply stand behind the, talk, the, the, the pulpits and they talk to the people. There's just something about when a preacher gets excited about the Word of God and preaches the Word of God and preaches sin against sin and preaches heaven sweet and hell hot and warns people of their wicked ways that stirs up their hearts. 
but we're not seeing that. There's no brokenness. There's no contrition. Uh, and so they just simply go out as they came in. The Bible makes it very clear that the neglect of the preachers to do what they could uh, to preach to the saints, to edify the saints and to build up the saints is a responsibility that God is going to hold them accountable to. Again, we were reminded there in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave gifts unto the church and He gave some apostles, He gave some prophets, He gave some evangelists, He gave some pastors and teachers to do what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body till we all come together, together in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. But these priests, uh, they were pointing people to all the idols and the pagan gods of that land. We see the same thing going on in our pulpits today. They don't exalt Christ, they exalt humanism. They exalt the teaching of men. They've turned from the Word of God. And as a result of that, the people see no need for repentance. And so liberal and so worldly in their lifestyle, and no convictions, no standards. You just come as you are. You dress as you are. You live your life the way you want to live. God accepts you exactly the way you are. And so the people see no need to repent. But one day, these who call themselves preachers and pastors and teachers are going to be accountable to God. One of the awesome responsibilities of a pastor is to realize that one day God's going to hold him accountable for what he preaches and he teaches. He's going to hold him accountable for what he preaches to his people and he's going to hold the people accountable to what they've heard and the preacher's going to have to stand up there and he's going to have to give an account. Did you preach this? Yes, I preached that. Did you preach it with fervor? Did you preach it with zeal? Yes. Did you warn them? Yes. I can imagine the preacher that will have to say, no, I, I never did go there. I think of what is said over there in Hebrews 13, verse number 7, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account. There's coming a day that... We're going to stand before the Lord, and the Bible makes it very clear that it's going to be unprofitable for the saints if the preacher stands before the Lord and says, yes, I did preach the word. Yes, I did warn them. Yes, and I did do everything with compassion and love and concern and a burden to build them up and edify them and strengthen them in the word and get them to repent and turn from their wicked ways, but they would not hear. And the Lord's going to say, is that true? And they'll look at those people that sat under that kind of preaching and they finally moved away and they heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears instead. And that's not going to be profitable for you. And it's not going to be profitable for those teachers with itching ears too. How tragic. When we think of 
the fruit of forsaking the knowledge of God that leads to a depraved heart and a reprobate mind. That's why we have so much of it today, because the lack of the preaching. The priests have gone astray. They have turned from their way. They have chosen the knowledge of the wicked, ungodly, idolatrous type of doctrine and philosophies that were out there in their day and time rather than the Word of God. And as a result of that, the children of Israel became very depraved. It's, it's very indicative of what's going on today. Notice in verse number 7 and 8, As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I charge, change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their hearts on their iniquity. The Word of God is very clear here that the more they increase, the greater the sin increased. As the population of America grows and as the lack of preachers in the pulpits today become indicative across this country, as there is a greater famine of hearing the Word of God and a greater famine of preaching the Word of God, and as we have been bombarded with all these corrupted Bibles out there that are translated from manuscripts that were rejected by our church fathers that God has not put His inspiration upon, and the people refuse. I mean, today, if you preach the King James Bible, many of the churches, they, they consider that to be repulsive. You know, you right-wing fundamentalist King James-only people now, that's the attitude they have. Well, let me tell you something. The Word of God was promised that it would be with us throughout every generation. God, through His Word, promised to preserve His Word. He promised to keep His Word. He promised that throughout every generation, His Word would not only be preserved, but His Word would maintain the inspiration, the infallibility, because God would keep it inspired. For all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that we, the children of God, may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works for all generations. We are told in Psalms 12, verse number 6 and 7, that I will keep my words. God made it very clear that as gold and silver is refined in a furnace, Seven times over, God has purified His Word seven times over, and He will keep it from every generation. Throughout every generation, I will keep His Word, He said. And so down through the generations of time, where the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus manuscript texts that were rejected by our church fathers were discarded and thrown in a, in a monastery dump or lost in a monastery library, the Word of God continued to go forth through what we know today as the Tectus Receptus, and yet people don't want that Bible. They don't want the Bible that was called the Received Text. Why was it called the Received Text? Because it was received by the church fathers down through the church age. They want something that was totally rejected. They go out and they buy their NIV, ASV, RV, or New Modern Bible, or Living Bible, or whatever. There's more than 100 different translations. They're all corrupted. Amen. You find that the churches that preach from them are liberal to the core. 
You want to find a good fundamental Bible-believing church? Find a church that preaches the Word of God. But they've rejected the knowledge of God. And they've turned to something that is weak and watered down, filled with all kinds of omissions that water down and weaken the deity of Christ and open the door for the modernists and for the saintness and everybody else to come in and twist the meaning and the doctrine of God's word. And this is the day and time we're living in. As a result of that, look where America has come. From the early 1900s, we saw that shifting away from the Word of God. From the time we became a nation, and a hundred years before we became a nation, we stood upon the Word of God. The pilgrims came over here with a Bible that was printed in England. It was called the Authorized King James 1611 Bible. And from that time forward, we saw a great awakening, awakening that took place over all the way over in Europe, and it came to America. And revival spread across this land. Churches sprang up. We saw that America was great, and then we come to the time where Westcott and Hort translate away from the Word of God and away from the Tectus Receptus and away from the Masoretic Text as they leaned upon corruptible texts that were rejected by our church fathers. And look at the direction our country has gone. Finally, we got this doctrine, this dogma that's being brought into the schools taught by Darwin that God doesn't exist, that we come from monkeys. All of this begun to spring up at that time. We get prayer out of the school. Madeline O'Hara, she certainly with one voice was able to get prayer out of school, able to get the Bible out of school. So we kick God out of our schools we educate our children with the mind of the philosophy of humanism, and we wonder why this country has moved to a reprobate mind. Romans chapter 1, verse number 21, God talked about the glory that would be taken from Israel, and shame would be the consequences that would be brought upon Israel because of our sins. And today we are a laughing, laughing stock. When the rest of the world looks on at America, they look at us as weak. They look at us as liberal. They look at us as a reprobate nation. And God is raising up greater nations, nations that he may use very soon to bring America to a place of shame. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse number 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts was darkened. You see, that's what happened to Israel. And as a result of that, Israel was carried off into captivity. We can see those days coming. In Romans chapter 8, and verse number Romans chapter 2, verse number 8 through 10, the darkened hearts result in a shameful lifestyle that eventually torments the soul. Today we see the suicide rate among young people increasing at a very alarming rate at the point where they call it an epidemic. Anxiety and depression among people today in the gays, 
in the gay and homosexual society, among lesbians and the transgenders, their lifespan is, is much shorter. And they're filled with depression and anxiety. Only goes to show what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse number 8. Unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness and indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentiles. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. You see, while Israel was being dragged, drugged off into a Syrian captivity, Judah was enjoying the peace and the blessings of God. But eventually Judah, just like the northern tribes, eventually turned their back on God. And they were all drugged away. We see... <clears throat> You know, there was a time in America where there was a lot of happiness and joy in this country. We don't see that today. Yesterday I was pumping gas at the Vaughn's gas station there in Desert Hot Springs, and it was just about the time that the, the uh, junior high uh, middle school uh, children were being let out, and they came over there. There's a grove of about 50 or 60 of them. And they, they have this little, little snack area there at the gas station where they can go in and buy a candy bar or whatever. And, and there are large groups of them coming, standing in line. They're, they're cut, cutting up and shadow boxing with each other and slap fighting with each other. And the vulgarity from these 13, 14-year-old children. I mean, there was like four or five adults there pumping gas, and they were just watching and listening and shaking their heads. F-bombs all over the place. The Lord's name screaming out in vain. F-you to each other. I mean, it just, and that's, that's our young people. That's our public schools. I thought, how sad, you know, why would I want my children in a, a group a little wolves like that. You know, and that's, that's where our public school is at now. And, you know, I'm not exaggerating. If you don't believe it's true, just go hang out around the schools and listen. See for yourself what goes on. They have no respect. When I was a child growing up, we didn't talk like that around adults. We may talk like that around each other. But when there was an adult in our presence, we were careful what we said. But not anymore. They have, and that's because they have no respect for us. They have no respect for their elders. Unthankful, unholy, ungodly. It's because of the direction America is going in. And these are tomorrow's leaders. These are the ones that will be in control of us as we begin to step down and they begin to take over. America's in trouble. God help us to realize what happened to Israel, it will happen to us as well. You see, this wasn't written for a history lesson. It was written for our learning and for our admonition. It was written that it may bring us to repentance. 
that we may turn from our wicked ways and pray for America. God knows that we need revival. We need revival in this church. Our hearts need to be stirred up and put aflame for the Lord. And that's why we have Brother Dave McCracken coming, and I believe he can get it done if we'll just simply pray that God will put the fire under him with every head bowed. Heavenly Father, as we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that our hearts, as we read through the Word of God and we, we glimpse into the past and